gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to another edition of Causeway Kings on the WMEX Sports Radio Network and Podcast Network as well. Finding this on WMEXBoston.com slash podcasts and all the fun and nonsense that we have day in and day out. Hockey talk is what we do here on Causeway Kings and we got a whole crew with us for that. As always, Causeway, Clancy, Coach, good to have you back, buddy. What's up, motherfuckers? Looking forward to uh, episode three. Got some big news coming up, and, uh, you know, the bees are kicking some ass right now, so let's get fucking rolling, baby. Whoop, whoop. There you go. <laughs> we also got Merrill Marshall. He is in this corner. How we doing, buddy? Doing great for a Tuesday night. Causeway Marshall uh, in the house. Can't wait to get going, and uh, got a lot of things to get to, and uh, it's always fun being on with you guys. Almost a full show tonight. Right, right. Totally. BJ. Hey, is it me or did Merrill just sound completely fucking miserable in his intro? Hey, Cosby, Merrill. Great, great to see you guys. Love you all. I got a long, I got a long day tomorrow, so uh, I'm just I'm just busting your balls. If I don't bust your balls, then doesn't mean I don't love you. That's right. Yeah, that's that's right. <laughs> Introducing our other co-host, returning champion BJ Brian Johnston. As always, good to have you, bud. Thank you. Good to be back on with everybody. Uh, things are going well, so we're going good. Not a boy, BJ. That's the way. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> things are going well, so things are going good. I like how you said that. B-Con, Brendan Connolly also joins us from the WMEX Sports Department. Brendan, good to see you. Surprise. It's good to be back, Ben. Excited for this new journey we have on the WMEX Sports Network. That's right. Wild and crazy B-Con. adventures for everyone. B-Con showing a little skin. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. It's let, a little toasty in here. Out. Let it all hot in here. I love it. You never know what you're going to get on this podcast. I'm I'm in a studio that's about four by eight right now with a fan running. It's about 100 degrees in here, so uh, might have uh, unbuttoned one extra. You're doing a real yeoman's work. Honor the local gym, so that's how it is, man. I'm from upstate New York, and I've never heard of steamed hams, but you got it. Okay. Back to Causeway Kings. We got and on that lot- note. <laughs> Back to Causeway Kings. We got a lot to talk about here, and we're gonna jump right into it. The bees are currently in battle at the moment, and if we could get a live score update, I do believe end of the first two-one Bruins lead at the moment. Unless anybody has anything different. Start of the second. Very good. Uh, so far, so good against the Red Wings. The uh, let me get this right here. Check my notes. 26, 34, and 9 Detroit Red Wings. Well, this is going about as well as I could hope. Yeah, no, they uh, the bees look good. Not going to lie. Eric Halla netting another one. Um, I think he's been coming on you know, pretty strong the last you know, dozen games or so. And, you know, Detroit's, you know, they, they got a, uh, not the best record, but they're a tough team to play against. They got that rookie sider on the blue line that just fucking eats forwards up for fun. Um, but yeah, you know, they look good. They, you know, and they're playing without pasta, which is a, a huge loss for them. But, uh, you know, I, I like, I like what they're doing so far. And I like the way the kid McLaughlin from BC is playing. He looks real good. Yeah. I like his game a lot. Um, you know, that was a nice snipe. His first goal, that was no, uh, that was no just, uh, you know, put back on a rebound. That was a nice top cheese snipe, uh, couple games ago from uh, from Trent Frederick, but yeah, you know, out the only, uh, the only thing that was, is kind of weird about the Bruins recently is just their, their uh, goals that they give up late in periods. They gave up another one to Dylan Larkin 
Uh, it was a great shot by Larkin. Uh, Swayman looked like he was screened, but uh, I just like to see them tie up the uh, tidy up the last couple minutes of a period. Um, I don't know whether it's just mental breakdown or just coincidence, but you know they they got guys out of the lineup tonight. Frederick's out too. They just got to find a way to get uh, to get two points. You know they, they just got to. These are the games that you got to have, and uh, so far they're holding serve. So as long as they get two points out of this game, I, I don't really care at the end of the day. I, I I completely agree, Merrill. You know, the, the last couple minutes of the first period, you, you can't let goals like that up. You know, Swayman's got to tie those rebounds up and the defense got to be tighter in their zone. They he seems get like he's having trouble with that lately where he's not, like, once he gets the save, he's letting things leak away. There are pucks that are coming out from him too much and around the net. I think he needs to tighten that up for sure. When he holds yeah. it, you get it. Absolutely. He, he's got to tighten up those rebounds, but the D got to be in there too. Yeah. You know, you got to be in there to clear clear the garbage out and clear the guys out. And, you know, if, if it's a bouncy rebound, give him the time to jump out and grab it. You know, clear the guys away, get the sticks up, and, and get get those, get those the trash out of front of the net. I'd rather see Josh Brown than Forbert, though, I think. Oh, fuck, man. I'm better than Forbert. <laughs> I think I might be better. Than, I don't know. That's a tall task there, and I don't even really play that often. But, I mean, the guy's just not making the decisions that you would hope that he would make, unfortunately. Kind of a tough take on that one. Um, Merrill, how do you feel the defense has improved since uh, Lindholm showed up, huh? Oh, I tell you, you know who it's benefited big time is um, is Charlie McAvoy. I mean, you're just seeing him really express himself offensively, um, jumping up in the play, um, handling the puck, you know, um, and carrying the puck even more. I, I think, you know, it's something to be said as a defenseman for um, – just being able to have confidence and knowing that you're not dragging an anchor as your opposite, uh, as your opposite partner, you know, he, he's able to sort of uh, not just play off Lindholm, but, but just know that um, he can be more aggressive and, and not worry about, you know, things going sideways and giving up rushes back on the other end. And um, it gives, like I said, when they acquired him, it gives them the Bruins more options Um in terms of obviously playing them together, which I think what they're going to do most of the time, but in situations they could split them up. And um, also really, when you look at the other four defensemen, uh, the other two pairs, it helps ration out the minutes where you're not having guys, you know, in over their skis and playing way more minutes than they're capable of. You know, I, I think of a guy like Matt Grizzlick, who maybe was playing too many minutes up on the first pair, um, and nothing against him, but you know, the other thing too, that's a benefit is he's, you're going to get more quality minutes out of those guys. He, you know, maybe Grizzly plays in a little more offensive situations um, and he's not getting the hard matchups. He's getting matchups against, you know, second and third lines and not having to be out there with McAvoy on the first, uh, pair, you know, defending against a, a top line. So I think it's, it's just so many great benefits, let alone how, how Lindholm has been playing, which is just, I'm just really impressed with the way he moves the puck in small areas. Um, he just gives what, I mean, I'm going on a rant. I'm sorry, but he's, he just gives what the game needs. And he's, he's just seems like he's always in the right spot and he always makes the right read. That's what I'm really impressed with. Well, I mean, look, look at the play he made the other night, last night against Columbus to step up, pick off the pass, slide over to Brusque and Brusque was the game winner in, in overtime. To yeah, have was, that confidence to step up in overtime you know, 50-50 chance you're going to get that puck. If not, that wing is gone. But he had the comments. He did it. He made a, a simple pass over. And we, you know, that's the stuff that 
I think the other defensemen lack. Like McAvoy will make that step. Linholm makes that step. I feel like the other four are kind of like iffy. You know, it's, you know, as a defense myself, I was always told like 100% or nothing, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of those guys, you know, like Carlo, Grizzly, Clifton, Fulbert, Riley, like nothing against them, but they're not I just don't, I just don't think that they're going to be able, if, I think they would make the attempt, but I, I, I think they would either fumble fuck the puck or, or, or miss the pass completely. And then the other guy's gone. The yeah, I was just going to say, I think the confidence thing is, like, those two have the confidence, Lindholm and McAvoy. I think the other four, uh, they're still trying to get there and just not there yet. No, and, and I think McAvoy's game has gone to a whole new level since being paired with Lindholm. Yeah. You know, and let me, let me ask you guys this about McAvoy. In all honesty, in my opinion, he's a Norris candidate defenseman in the league right now. Do you guys agree? Yes. Like what? What do you think it is? Well, I don't think he's that Kale McCarr has, but defensively, I think he's a little better on the defensive part of the defenseman game. So here's a funny thing. I my buddy of mine sent it to me earlier today, and it's a comparison of McAvoy and Hedman. Now Hedman's won. Hedman's won what? One or two Norris's already? Yeah, at least yeah. So they both, as of tonight, McAvoy's played in his 300th game. Hedman's played 300 games. Stat-wise, McAvoy has 32 goals and 137 assists. Hedman's got 26 goals and 89 assists. McAvoy is a plus 98 rating, nine power play goals. Hedman's a minus four rating, two power play goals. McAvoy, 551 hits, 231 pims. Hedman, 312 hits, 280 pims. Time on ice for McAvoy. 23 minutes and 48 seconds, average time on ice per game. Hedman, 21 minutes, 48 seconds. So you're comparing a guy who really hasn't been talked about in a Norris race in the last couple of years, comparing him to a guy that has already won a Norris, clearly has much better stats than, than Hedman. So what, why is he not in the running on a yearly basis? It, to me, it makes no sense. Now, yes. Makar is at a whole new fucking level of defenseman, man. That kid is unreal. Adam Fox, unreal. Roman Yossi, unreal. But if you think of it, you always have Yossi, Hedman, Makar, Fox, the final four for typically every year for the, the Norris. But McAvoy clearly has better stats. And in my opinion, yeah, he's not as big as Hedman, but I think he's a much better player than Hedman in a different style game. But why is McAvoy getting gypped every year? That that's my question. I I don't I think he's the most under and I'm not just saying this because I'm a Bruins fan. I think he's the most underrated defenseman and maybe the most underrated player in the league. Um, maybe it's just because he doesn't play a flashy game. I, I don't. I mean, when I think of Makar and Fox, I almost think they're they're almost like forwards. They're not even really defensemen. I mean, I, I you know I think McAvoy plays a complete game and it, it is a complete player he, he he's a two he's a true two-way defenseman he can play in any situation and he can play any style of game you want to play he's out there in three on three when it's wide open he's out there on the penalty kill he'll step up and cream a guy like I, I don't I don't know what it is I used to think it was because he was maybe he was playing with Chara and that overshadowed him a little bit but I, I just don't know what it is he's been without Chara for a couple seasons now and I just I don't know what it is. Uh, I, I think he's I think he's gotten better since playing without Chara. 
I do too. Yes, I really do. I mean, Green, like Chara, let's really, he's going to go down as one of the all-time greats in the league. One of the all-time great captains of the Bruins, true leader, love the guy, loved him when he was here. But Chara is not a giant offensive threat. So in my eyes, Chara knows, hey, I'm not an offensive threat. I'm going to be a defensive, unreal, stay-at-home defensive man, defenseman. So, yes, Char, I guess you can say, is mentoring slash training McAvoy as he comes in as a rookie. So McAvoy's learning that style of play instead of his true style of play of, hey, I can skate end-to-end, dangle guys, and fucking score and still get back and play defense. So I think since Char has been gone, McAvoy has literally been let off the leash to go out and be the player that we saw him be at BU, saw him play for Team USA, now we're seeing in the NHL. So I just think he is, in my opinion, definitely within a top 10 defenseman in the NHL. I think he's been off the leash or let off the leash even more since he got paired up with Lindholm too. Yeah. Like he's, he knows that he's going to be there to backstop him when he does. And I think over the last 10, 12 games, you've seen him go – forward much more than he did probably the first half of the season. And the other thing I like, he's, he takes the body much better than Makar and uh, maybe maybe not Hedman because Hedman's such a big guy, but those other defensemen, I think he's a better, uh, you know, body checker and he will lay people out. And he does it so nicely too. Beacon, you're cut. Uh, well, I mean, ever since they brought in Lindholm, they've found a new spark in this team here. Obviously it's, you add a piece like that, which is kind of like, I've mentioned this before on the podcast. It's like a white whale position in the sport of hockey. The left shot defenseman is just not easy to come by. You see people asking for it all the time. Oh, maybe the Bruins can trade like two or three of their end of the bench players for a left shot defenseman. Well, no, no, it doesn't work like that. Somehow they were able to uh, get a good deal for Lindholm at the deadline. They brought in this two-time all-star and, as um, Clance mentioned, it just looks like a whole new uh, system out there defensively. Brian, you mentioned it as well. Uh, it seems like um, McAvoy is just not afraid to go out there and play his game anymore um, with an extra backstop behind him, a superstar in Lindholm. It gives this team extra insurance at a position they haven't had since Chara left. And even still, Chara, the last two to three years here, wasn't the player he originally was. They haven't had this type of a defenseman in years. So, Outside of their weakness up at the front lines and potentially Pasternak's injury going forward, I, I like their chances against just about anyone. I like it. I, I agree. I agree with you 100%. Beacon, I, I really do. I mean, and, and yeah, look at it too. I mean, what they signed McAvoy for eight years, uh, nine years. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. And, mm-hmm. and then they did set for at least the next five years or so defensively. Oh, and that's the thing too. It's like look at how well McAvoy and Lindholm are playing together now, and they've been together for a month. Yeah. So what they're going to be like next season, two to three years from now, four or five years from now, they're going to be one of the top three defensive pairs in the league, in my opinion, if they both stay healthy, because obviously that comes down to everything, staying healthy. Um, I just think, honestly, I think McAvoy is just getting the, the, the stiff arm from the, the nominations he deserves for the Norris. I mean, like I said, yes, Makar, there's probably no defenseman in the league that can walk a blue line like Makar Get to the get the puck to the net the way he does with the way he skates. Same with Fox, absolutely. But McAvoy's right up there with him. McAvoy played against these guys in college. McAvoy dangled these fucking guys in college. He dangles them in the show. Why can he not get the same recognition as these guys? He's got better staff than a guy that's already won the Norris, as well as several Stanley Cups. 
So why? why, why? I, it, to me, it makes no sense. And you know what, Causeway King listeners? I want to hear your feedback. I want to hear your notes. Hit us up and let us know. Yep. I was going to say, I blame my uh, fellow alum, Kale McCarr, for changing the game defensively. It's a, turning into a finesse game. Told you, Matt. Big thrown in there. <laughs> Becoming a finesse game, all right. But, um, no, I, I, I think it's, you know, I, I think it's going to take maybe the Bruins making a run um, this year and, and, you know, without, you know, obviously, you know, a, a big run without Chara, then I think he kind of takes that next step nationally. But, um, I mean, I seeing him every night. I mean, the guy is a freaking animal and, um, honestly, there's very few guys who I would want to start a franchise, you know, with other than McAvoy. He's a, he's a tremendous, tremendous player. Um, that so was a, Brutal giveaway by Riley that ended up in the back of the net, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> oh, boy. 2-2 two, two here in the second period, but yes, let's talk about that in a little bit. We uh, do have some games to catch up on from quite a little ways back last week. I mean, let's talk about the uh, the night they tore New Jersey down 8-1, the final there against the Devils. Unbelievable effort. Boys, where do we even start with that one? I think it was a nice bounce back after the, you know, the Toronto debacle. <laughs> you know, I think that they knew that they had to come out that night and definitely put it, everything back on the right, you know, the right ship, right the ship on that one because that was just ugly that first two periods. I mean, they played well in the third against Toronto, but those first two periods were not good. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the Toronto game, like they're they're such an offensive loaded team that like. That could be kind of a shell shock facing guys like Matthews and Meyer that are literally at the peak of their game right now. So they could have been, I mean, in my opinion, could have been caught off guard a little bit in that game. And then they're like, you know what? Fuck that. They come back against New Jersey and make a statement like, hey, that Toronto game was a fluke. Come playoff time, Toronto's not getting past the first round again because of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I want I mean, to hear. Well, I mean, we saw we saw what happened with Toronto. Just, I mean, they come out and they beat you guys six, four. They still almost blew it somehow in the third period. I, they're still vulnerable. They still are weak when it comes down to playoff time. I wouldn't be surprised to see them blow a big lead against the bees in the series. No, I was just going to say, when you get to the playoffs too, it's a much more closely checked game. It's much more, you know, three ones, three twos, stuff like that, where right they're, now. they're not going to get the six goals a night. Like they have been now, so I think that's going to be where they're going to have trouble. I, I mean, they, you know, they're they're a front running team where they, you know, they they kind of they get up in the first period. I mean, I'm convinced in that game have had um, had Marsha not taken a 10 minute misconduct, they were down to 4D. I mean, how many shifts does Marsha miss? I mean, you know, they're going to be playing the first and second lines a lot, anyways, because they're chasing the game. I mean, and they had their backup goalie in. I mean, that game was was I still felt even at six two ripe for the taking. I mean, you know, they're gonna get punched in the mouth by by you know either our you know Boston, Tampa or Florida. And um, you know, I expect them fully to to fold up like a cheap suit like they always do. I and again, you know, you know, fool me once, you know, that's the old saying, fool me once, fool me twice. Like, how can we believe in them any, you know, not that we want to believe in Toronto anyways, but and otherwise, I mean, they're not, um, they, they've collapsed every single year since 2017. They haven't won around. So, and 
in regards to the New Jersey Devils, I mean, that team is a freaking dumpster fire. And, you know, the Bruins rightly put it on them. That was a team that was ripe for the taking. The next game, I think they gave up, what, four or five goals and, and lost to um, – who did they blow that lead to, Florida? I mean, I'm surprised um, Lindy Ruff wasn't fired on the spot. You, you lose 9-1 to one and then you blow a, a huge lead uh, and lose the game in the third period. I mean – that that team is uh, is a, is an absolute dumpster fire. So good on the Bruins for putting it on them. I agree. It's always good to see uh, PK Subban have a reason to cry, you know. And uh, speaking of which, uh, obviously they, it's been uh, now known that uh, he's probably the next one on the list. Uh, they're not going to sign him back. Where do you see a future for PK Subban in this league, if anywhere, Clance? Europe. He said Europe. He- <laughs> I don't. I don't think he, he's not the player he was. I, I've heard rumblings that he's a distraction in the locker room. I mean, look at the antics he pulled the night or two ago when Jack Hughes got hit by I forget. Yes. Who was it? Yeah, yeah when he jumped Wallstrom, the guy. Wallstrom. Yeah, and he jumped. Yeah, Wallstrom. Wallstrom hit Hughes, and it wasn't a dirty hit. It was a clean hit. And then it wasn't even that the, bad a hit either. And, and then they're coming out of the zone, and P- Subban just randomly decided to drop his gloves and attack Wallstrom. And then his antics, like fucking yelling and pointing at him at the ice, like a little fucking crybaby. Like he's to me, I think he's a joke. He's not what he's he used to be. Character. Exactly, exactly. I mean, he. I, good thing is he stopped posting his stupid fucking workout videos on Instagram ever since him and Lindsey Vaughn broke up. So Ooh. there's a plus for the world. I, you know, <laughs> no. I think maybe as a third pair specialist on on a containing team, but I mean. He's he's definitely lost a, a a couple steps, and you know there's nothing that pisses me off more than a clean hit, um, and then there's a fight right after. It's like this is this is a game of the game of hockey. There's going to be hitting. You you can't fight every time there's a clean hit and a guy gets hurt. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, it, it just it, it's absolutely ridiculous to me. That, that there's nothing that really gets me aggravated than than seeing that, and that was. D, he didn't even ask him. He just – it was in the middle of a rush. He, they were, it was like a three-on-two. He skates over to the other side, other wing and just starts throwing, throwing – he, 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 he just literally jumped him. Like, he didn't, yeah. even, didn't even give the kid a – I mean, he just – didn't even ask him. He didn't say, hey, you want to go? He's just like – No, he just jumped him. Yeah, and instead of being a man and going over and giving him a tap and giving him a shove and say, you want to go for hitting my star player – no, but that's just that's not his style. Like he he loves to fucking run his mouth. And remember, there's a there's a clip from I think a year or two ago when him and Frederick got into a little bit in the game during a game, and uh, they had Frederick mic'd up, and the whole time like they're in each other's face. Subban's like, "I will beat the living fuck out of you," and Frederick's like, "Go ahead." He's like, "When I'm ready, when I'm ready." And Frederick goes, "Yeah, go post another workout video, you fucking loser." <laughs> Wow. Wow. I was good. This isn't informed though, but what if he came here? No. He I think he's a dis, he's a downgrade from any defenseman we have in the roster right now. And if I could come through my camera, I'd fucking slap you for making that decision. <laughs> I mean, hey, I mean, come on, you know the, the Boston fans love tough guys, right? And uh, he's the biggest fake tough guy out there. Oh, my God, he's the worst. Did you just see how Fulberg gave up the middle of the ice on that last goal? Now the Detroit's up 3-2. to two. I, I don't know. That the was... guy literally just skated right by him without oh, he didn't even, like, oh. move. 
Forbert. That's why I said I, I, I would prefer Josh Brown 10 days, out of, nine out of 10 days. Forbert can't skate. He's got cement yeah. feet. I'm fucking 60 pounds overweight and out of shape, and I can skate faster than him. I challenge him to a race. Like I a- challenge Derek Forbert to a fucking end-to-end race. Clancy, <laughs> calling the shot. Listen, I'm having shoulder surgery next week, and I could still beat him with my arm in a sling. Oh, man. <laughs> this guy's out of control. Somebody get him. Somebody get him. No, it's a... Well, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if we can get Derek Forbert out here to uh, an end-to-end race against Coach Clance. Is this before your surgery or after your surgery? I'll fucking do it before and after with wow. my arm in a sling. Wow. There it is, folks. I, I could probably beat him skating backwards. While right. he skated I forward. like it. Confidence from Clance. He's about well, as confident as Charlie McAvoy since they acquired Lindholm. <laughs> it's pretty confident. Hell yeah. Yeah, but ain't, ain't none of those guys got a dad bod like me. <laughs> Phil Castle, maybe. Oh, fuck off. That's a, yeah, do- that's a, that's a dog him. bod, a hot dog bod. Come on, man. You know the diff. You know the diff. Hey, Phil Castle is going to close in on the consecutive games. Uh, he might pass the handle. I, let's let let's let's transition to that, guys. Let's let, definitely let's, talk about how Phil Kessel now has the longest Iron Man streak in the league at the let's moment. Let's not even talk about that. Let's just talk about how fucking dirty Philly did Keith Yandel. Okay, yeah. yep. I mean, oh, let's man. go. That was he, bad. He's eleven games away from hitting a thousand games consecutive, and they're not making the playoffs. Like, I get you want to bring young guys in and see what you got. But if you want to bring a young guy in, don't you want him mentored by one of possibly the best defensemen in the league? Yeah, that's just that's just my thought. I, I think I think they screwed Keith Yandel over. I think it was a mistake for what they did. I don't agree with it. He should have been in the lineup, and he should be in the lineup until he retires. And nothing for nothing, but the guy they put in to evaluate. You know what he ended up with on the night? Nothing. Like, nothing minus, minus yeah. four. I mean. <laughs> The guy, yeah, Keith, Keith Yandel's an awesome defenseman. I, I think he's one of the best to play the game. He, his teammates love him. He's loved around the league by other teams. Like, and just to do him dirty like that, like, you're not making the playoffs. Like, what, what does that accomplish? It doesn't – Yeah, your, your fan base, is, that's not – like, you're not endearing yourself to your fan base on that vote for sure. Yeah, I mean – the guy's the ultimate pro. He, he's a great human being, just an all-around amazing person, and I just personally think that Philly screwed him over. You know, I don't think you're wrong there, Clance. I mean, honestly, uh, they definitely did not have to do that to him, especially, I mean, looking around the league, there's not many other Ironman streaks like that. He's been around for a long time consistently, and it's just not, uh, not what you like to see at all. And, uh, Actually, it was that close to a thousand too. You know what I mean? That would have been a nice round. Yeah, right? a, a thousand is a great number. The guy is the ultimate warrior, man. He he's played games where he's taken a puck in the face. He goes and gets his teeth taken out and comes back for the next period. Has surgery, comes back the next game. Like the guy is an ultimate, the ultimate NHL player. And I love him to death. He's one of my favorite players. And I I'm just very disappointed in the Flyers for doing that to him. Yeah, did you see Jeremy Roenick's quote on that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Aronic went off on him, and, right, and rightfully so. I mean, I I also look at the fact that I mean, I can't. I, I don't know what the fly in in this kind of piggybacks on a different topic, but it, it ends up in the same place. Is what do the Flyers see in Mikey O? I mean, the guy is a two time been shit can twice. Um, the last time he was shit can, the Blues ended up going on to win the Stanley Cup. Um, he he, you you get the sense. You know, he's not a guy that um, that players want to play for. Um, and this this definitely isn't going to help. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, how, how you're going to, at least with the veterans, how you're going to how you're going to walk that back. I mean, Kevin Hayes had some pointed comments as well about how um, how he didn't agree with it. I mean, it's it just, um, you know, in a list. In a, in a year where everything has gone wrong for Philly, um, and not to lament the Philadelphia Flyers, but Keith Yandel is like, you know, 450th on the list of problems with, that they've had with their team. Um, so, Well, you, you think about the offseason and you got guys that might come as a free agent. Are you going to want to sign with Philly now after you, you're not really sure where you're going to line up with them at that point? As a yeah, and that goes back to the coach and like, I mean – I don't think they're doing themselves any favors. I mean, they're to me, if I'm a free agent, they're right down there with Arizona in their 14, uh, their 14 seat arena in a uh, university, of Arizona. Right. right. Like, I, I get the NHL as a business. I get that. And in my opinion, if that's a business decision, that's a poor business decision to take him out of the lineup. He should be out on the, he should be out paired up with the young kid, Cam York, guiding him, showing him what it takes to be a pro on the ice, off the ice, in the locker room, on the bench. That is a guy that I would want my own kid to learn from if he's going to be a defenseman. Yeah, like an apprenticeship. Exactly. The guy is just an all-around hockey guy. He's got an unbelievable eye and brain for the game. And I just, again, I just think Philly did him dirty, and I, I don't agree with it. Very true. Well, and can I can I throw something in there then? Since I, I, just no. I was just going to say, speaking of Who's not that? agreeing, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Coach Anthony Chigasola joins of us White on Whale. Causeway King. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with that the I was going to say boats and hoes, but holy shit. Beacon, you can take that mic down <laughs> and just drop it. Yeah, all right. <laughs> um, all I was going to say is, you know, I totally agree with everything, <laughs> but – if, if you really want to throw a wrinkle in this, do you think this is maybe why he was only able to get the 850 grand? Like maybe he really is that washed up and, and, and like, are we overthinking this? Are we thinking, you know, it's the Keith handle of old, you know, if you really, really want to take it dramatically the other way. Yes. He's a great guy, unbelievable locker room guy, but maybe he just doesn't have it anymore. And, you know, maybe Philly sees the writing on the wall. I mean, if you're Carter Hart, I don't think you're going to want to resign there. I don't think that's a place you really want to be long-term. I think, you know, they, they've had just such flip-flopness over there. Um, and, and I don't know, just throwing it out there. Maybe this is why Yandel was only able to get that type of a contract. Very possible. Very possible. But you never know. You like to believe the local guys, uh, not, not going to be treated like that either, which way, but who knows? Chiggs, it is good to have good to have you, bud. And I hope everything is going well over there with the Viking and Militia program. Any cool stories to share, real quick? Um, nothing besides the whole social media thing that uh, we had our social media taken down because of a disgruntled parent. But you know, no, just kind of, 
Uh, we have national tryouts this week, so it's going to be a fun week to finally be over with. <laughs> fun week to finally be over with. I like how you put that, buddy. Well, that's good. Either way, good to have you, man. And, of course, uh, follow along, folks. If you're on Facebook, check it out. It's the Vikings and the Militia page. Uh, Chiggs, is it one page now, or do you got two individuals going? So we ended up getting both of our, our Militia and our Vikings page taken down, so we just combined them and put them all into one. So it's uh, Militia and Vikings Hockey Club. One page to rule them all. I like your thinking. Well, either way, good to have you, bud. And uh, let's continue right along in the world of hockey. And we're looking around the league right now here at Causeway Kings. So what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the Lindholm deal really solidified their defense. And I, I don't know, I feel like the Bruins kind of got that pop and the feeling back in the way that they're playing. Um, and watching, watching them, the way that they're activating the defense in the offensive zone, it's a lot of fun to watch. I mean, there, there was a couple plays while I was watching the game um, the other day where it seems like they're just swarming the puck. So it's a lot of fun to see. And I, and I think you're going to, you know, at the end of the day, it, it just takes a goalie to get hot. And I think, you know, Swayman's their number one and anything 100% could happen. I don't think that they really, you know, you know, I don't think they have enough to win the cup. But at the same time, you have veteran leaders on that team like a Foligno, you know, like a Hala, people that have been there, like even Thomas Nosek, to have him on your fourth line, um, that's, that's pretty good depth and stuff like that. So I don't know. I, I, think that, I think that the way that I'm looking at them is they're definitely not a team you want to be lined up against in the playoffs because of what they can bring to the table. Um, you know, kind of like how you'll cast off some teams. So I, I don't know. I think, it, I think it'll be, you know, a lot of fun to watch. I mean, the, the past two games alone, like that Columbus game, the, the speed that they were playing with was so much fun. So, I don't know. I, I definitely wouldn't want to play the Bruins in the playoffs right now. <laughs> no, definitely. Probably not a good idea for anybody not wearing the black and gold. Clance, what about you? Where do you, where do you think we're heading as we head closer and closer to playoff time? I, I think, you know, a couple things. Main thing, trying to get, you know, the guys who have banged up a little bit like Pasternak and Frederick, get them healthy again. I mean, to be honest with you, with the way all four lines are just firing on all cylinders, like and now you're getting the secondary scoring from an Eric Hall, a, a Craig Smith, um, you know, a Coyle, that like though all four lines are firing, which just makes us that much more dangerous. I, I think we have a, a great decor to, to make a run. I, I think if you really want to make a run, then you need to keep Fulbert out of, out of play. Um, get Josh Brown in there, get Clifton in there. Um, Swayman's engine number one, like Chig said, get him the confidence, let him keep building that, those wins. And I think we can make a run. I really do. But I just think it's going to take, you know, a whole new level of, of effort every game from here on out and going into the playoffs. I think it's really going to, uh, I think it's going to come down to how they're playing, but also their health. They've got to get Pasenak and is got to get healthy. Um, they need their full complement of players we saw last season their defense depth. Um, obviously, they have much better defense depth this season, but um, their their defense depth w- was really uh, just completely uh, torn, decimated last year in the playoffs. So they're going to need a full, healthy group, and they're going to need great goaltending. I mean, you know, the formula for for winning in the playoffs is is you know a few tried and true things, and it starts with uh, it starts with goaltending and health. 
And, um, you know, guys are going to get hurt. Guys are going to go down. The intensity level is ratcheted up to, to such an, the, the physical toll is incredible. And, you know, they're going to, I think they'll match the intensity. I, I just, uh, you know, I, I just hope that everybody can be as healthy as they can be because they're going to really need their full complement of uh defensemen and forwards. So, um, you know, that's what I got on that. BJ, you're up. Yeah, I think Pasta's injury is the biggest concern of everything so far. I mean, that core, if he really did do more damage to it the other night, that could, you know, be tough because, you know, he's the guy that could change a game in a hurry. You're down two and, you know, a couple, you know, he can bring you back in a hurry. But like Chick says, I like Nosek on the fourth line. He was it two years ago, three years ago when he was with uh, Vegas, the year they made their run, he was like, gave them very good depth scoring. I think that's what you're going to need. You're going to need those third and fourth lines, you know, either chipping in once every other game or, you know, assists or something. You need to, you know, lengthen that lineup enough. But, I, yeah, I think Forbert is the one that I would leave out for sure. And I like Josh Brown. I think, he, you know, he's a guy that, you know, you know, nobody drops the gloves that much these days. But in the playoffs, it's nice to have that guy out there that can do it, that can protect your, you know, your superstars from getting run because they know they're going to have to turn around and face him. So I think that could be a key for him getting in the lineup. Right. That's absolutely the key. All right, Clance, I know you're busting at the scene, buddy. Go. Uh, about what? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> about what? I don't know. I, I was What's... just watching. I was watching the game. And how is the game? <laughs> Let's get a live in-game update. Why not? Uh, they, they're losing 3-2, but... Eh, they're on a PK right now, and it's it's not looking pretty. Against Detroit, yikes! Yeah, yes. they were up two um, nothing when we started this podcast. That's yeah, true. B- they were then Beacon and then Beacon and Chiggs joined, and now look what happened. Oh, oh here we go! Yeah, Every gosh. time you point a finger at somebody, three are pointing right back at you, buddy. Hey, I'm not the one that. Call, I'm not because the one we're not in the locker whale. room. We're not at the game. <laughs> we, we we took it we took a game off from getting insider information to join this podcast tonight. That's it. Hey, I wanted to get get you guys' opinion if you don't mind me facilitating. Um, what do you think of the whole Phoenix Coyotes Anaheim Ducks dust up with Troy Terry and um and Beagle? I thought Zegers was unreal. Zegers was just the best. He's like, I think the guy's a disgrace. I think he's a. I'm like. And for a young guy like that to step up and talk like that was awesome, you know. And I think Beagle's a bitch for doing what he did, you know. I felt like Troy Terry was defenseless, and he Beagle just fucking pounded on him like a piece of meat. He kept throwing when he was on the ground, which yeah, and that and it's, it's, it's no a no, known, it's a known rule that like the minute you guys go to the ground or like the refs come in, like you you, you stop and you you let it go. You don't keep pounding on a guy when he's already on the ice. He I. I I can't remember. I think his helmet was off, so he's at risk of banging his head off the ice. I just thought Beagle was a bitch for doing what he did. Yeah, I, I think it was. I think it was kind of reminiscent of the whole Tom Wilson ragdoll in the Rangers. Although there wasn't any injuries that came out of that one, uh, I think the Coyotes were frustrated, and I think uh, you know if you're frustrated. You know, I, I could see both sides of it. I definitely you don't hit the guy while he's on on the ice. I mean, I don't know if you saw a picture of uh, Terry after the game. He, he definitely uh, had some had some definite damage to his face. But, you know, I, I also feel like it, all, it also <laughs> highlights the fact 
that their moves at the deadline were getting rid of Josh Manson and uh, get rid of Laurier. So, I mean, I know people, you know, it's supposed, you know, it's going to a speed and skill game, but you still need some toughness. I, I tend to think that, you know, Maybe if maybe if they're in the lineup, Beagle thinks twice about grabbing them and pounding them. Maybe not. And if he doesn't, then guess what? Nick Delorier is on the ice next shift and he's grabbing, um, you know, um, whoever, you know, Phil, Ke- who knows, Phil Kessel, maybe um, one of their defensemen and he's ragdolling them. So, like, it, it just, you know, I, I hate to see a kid get get lit up like that. Um, it, and I also think unlike the. You know, things happen like that in scrums, unfortunately. But if Beagle's the veteran guy, I think it's also an unwritten rule that you don't you don't go after a young kid like that. Um, and if you grab him and you pop him one, you stop. Like, especially when yeah. he's down on the ice. Once he hits the ice, you know, like you go back to the, the you know, the enforcers of old. They always had that, those, oh. un, you know, those rules that, you know, they weren't written down, but, they you know, everybody followed them. And that's one of the ones even they followed all the time is, you know, once the guy was in trouble, you backed off. You let it go. You know, that he just seemed like he didn't give a crap at that point. That's kind of sad for that. And see, I kind of have a different view of this. I have I had no problem until he was falling to the ground when he gave him that last one. But I mean, if you want to stick up for your star player like they did with Zegers and and you come in there and challenge a veteran, you better be able to at least protect yourself. I mean, this is, if we're really going to the new model of the NHL where they want to get rid of fights, staged fights, enforcers, all this, you're going to see way more of this. And it's going to be these veteran, like if you look at it, when Terry comes in, he takes both his hands and he kind of jet, he jets them right out at Beagle's face. If I'm a veteran, I'm like, screw this kid. And all right, you want to do this? Fine. Gloves are off. But as soon as you have him hunched over and he's about to fall down, you didn't need to pop him one more there. You already made your point. So I think mm-hmm. that it's kind of a twofold. It's, you know, hey, welcome to the NHL, kid. You want to pop me? Fine. I'm going to pop you right back. Um, you know, and, and that's the Ducks don't have anybody to protect their players. You know, <laughs> look at today, Ryan Getzloff, a guy that probably would have been able to protect players. He's gone after this year. So, uh I'll make a prediction right now that they try to go and get some type of a tough guy on their third or fourth line, hundred percent. Yeah, just like the Rangers did last year. Yep. So wait, I mean, that's uh, why I, that's why I said I like to see Josh Brown playing for the Bruins in the playoffs because I think that would, you know, you're gonna get guys that are gonna think twice because they know that the next time, the next shift, they're gonna have to face it. I don't think a lot of guys are gonna want to do that. Probably not. No, you, you're probably right on that. I mean, when like right now, going besides Josh Brown, who was it? Frederick was kind of your fighter if you needed Lino something. Lino a little bit, but other than that, yeah, Frederick. Would be a little yeah, but I mean, Josh Brown's a tough guy, and you don't even have him in the lineup. He's been a, he's played one game since he's become a Bruin. If yeah. I'm Josh Brown, I'd be I'd be fucking pissed because it's like, okay, yeah, I was playing in Ottawa, which was terrible, but I was playing every game, playing 15 plus minutes a game, and now I'm in Boston, which yes is a much better team, but I'm playing every four or five games, like. So come playoff time, Josh Brown's literally going to have like three, maybe four games under his belt. That's where I think, you, like you said earlier, I think Forbert's got to be the odd man out there for sure. Forbert yeah, he sucks. He's not physical enough with his, you know, being that big, he's not physical enough. 
to, to warrant being in the lineup. And he's not a good enough skater, um, you know, and not good enough with the puck. You, you know, you gotta, you gotta bring something to the table. I just kind of feel like, you know, he, he doesn't, he's a minus two, at least right off the hop between him and Riley tonight. They've just been absolutely atrocious. When he ties his two games. Yeah. And then the funny part about both of those are those are guys that Sweeney gave contracts to within the past year. Neither of them are good skaters. Like you you watch, don't get me wrong. I know Lindholm is, he's a top two, top four defenseman. When you watch Riley come in last year, the whole thing with him is as soon as the playoffs, as soon as we got near there, he was getting exposed left and right. But no, you know, let's give him a, what was it? Like a three-year deal at 3 million each. And then you give four board or whatever his name is, a three-year deal at 3 million each. I, I, I'm sick and tired of them getting these like uh, maybe like Dennis Seidenberg, like slower horses and stuff like that that can't keep up with the play. It is a skating man's game. Did you know, it, is, it, it just aggravates me that every year it's the same stuff. Oh, they're, they're tight against the cap. Okay, well, dummy, stop giving out contracts to people that don't deserve it. Uh, Chicks, because you joined a little uh, a little after we started, you don't know this yet, but Clance actually publicly challenged Forbert to an end-to-end race. <laughs> and uh, also Clance is going to do this backwards with uh, one arm in a sling potentially, a before and an after race. I, We're going to have to make this happen. I will donate the ice at Thayer to see this happen. Oh, now it's all too real, kids. Let's do it. I'll roll a blade over the possibility. To the theater rink and fucking smoke Fulbert. <laughs> I gotta Great. see this. I gotta see it too. I'll by, the, by the way, did you know that uh, Fulbert has a uh, modified no trade clause too? So of just throw that does. on top of everything. A guy that was guy that was playing all right over at the Jets and everything, but like wasn't woo gets a freaking modified modified no trade. Like, what is going on here? I, I it. I don't get me wrong. I know that. I know that, you know, he's doing his best as a GM, but Jesus Christ, he's going to give me a heart attack, and I'm too fat for this. And the funny thing is, is Fulbert is a <laughs> – love you, buddy. He's a first-round pick, 15th overall. Like, that is a disgrace that you're this bad at a, as a first-round pick. Yeah, he, yeah. He's, not, he's not good enough defensively. Like, he's, you know – his his claim to fame is to be a defensive defenseman. Well, again, they did, Nesson just showed it like three times that that goal he just gave up the last one. The Red Wings went up three two. That was atrocious, giving up the middle of the ice. And uh, you know he 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 doesn't do any. He's not a good enough skater. He's not a good enough physical presence. And he's gives you nothing. Not not even he's negative. Even on like offensively, he gives you nothing there either. So. What net gain does he give you? Um, I mean, I, I'd rather see Josh Brown in the lineup. Um, I know, I know, Forbert's a left shot, and, and Brown's a right shot. But I mean, they're the, gonna the, the pick- guy, the guy played five games in the AHL two years ago. Five. Yeah, I saw that. I was yeah, wondering like, about that. Okay, so so his contract before here, I'm looking it all up right now as I'm fuming. Um, the Winnipeg Jets, he played 56 games. He made a million dollars that year. That earned him a $3 million contract. The year before that, he played 13 games in LA, five games in the AHL, and seven games for the Flames. The year before that, 
I mean, looking at his career, he had one, he had three solid years in a row in LA. He had 82 games, 78 games, 81 games. Looks like he did fine, but I mean, he, he went from a plus 18 to a minus 13. And then his career went down from there. I, I have no problem with them spending money, but like, how does this guy survive and end up on the Bruins just like an Adam McQuaid, like a Dennis Seidenberg, uh, Kevin, Kevin Miller. But then, you know, we get rid of a good puck moving defense and that can at least skate. Granted, he wasn't always healthy and John Moore. Like I, if it was me, I would have gotten rid of Forbort or I would have gotten rid of somebody else and tried to keep more. At least he can skate. If you can skate, you can make up for mistakes. It's true. Yeah, it's, we're just going for depth with the left shot defenseman there. Um, it's just such a they have such a lack at, at that position that they probably just wanted the extra guy, even though he's, I don't know, he doesn't have the talent at the moment. Or hopefully, I mean, I don't know if they'll ever get there, but um, it just, I think they just wanted to keep depth. That's my only uh, explanation for it. They just don't have much of it. True, true. No, because out another free agents and then they got left with him as like the last recourse. Unfortunately, you I, mean, I would have rather had Mark Stahl. I mean, as a, as a third pair defenseman, I mean, I, I don't know. It just I, there are better options out there. I mean, I, I you know they ended up with Hampus Lindholm, and I, I think he's going to end up playing. Literally, him and McAvoy are going to play half the game in the playoffs, but. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, that was the first guess, you know, going back to last offseason. I think we were all had, had were wondering, scratching our heads about Forbert. I remember we, we were are. very much scratching our heads, and we are. Yep, yeah, exactly, class. We still are. Because hey, for for a big guy, it seems like he's allergic for content. He just does. He doesn't hit me. It, <laughs> I can anyone think of like one positive thing about him or his game that he brings to the table? I heard he's a very nice guy. Oh, he's healthy. that's nice. He's healthy. Yeah. And, you know, the Bruins at least have to have one defenseman on the roster that everybody goes, how does he keep on being allowed to play? I mean, it's, oh, we finally get rid of the Miller contract. Oh, well, we'll bring in this guy. Oh, you know, Seidenberg's gone. Well, let's re-up McQuaid for three years. Like, mm-hmm. and all this goes back to the number one thing about Don Sweeney. The guy doesn't know how to draft. We have not had a good draft. If for and mock my words, Studnik is the next one. I mean, we heard about Vaca Nine, and he's supposed to be good. He's gone. Studnik is going to be gone. I mean, when a kid that's coming out of Boston College ends up getting to play right away, but all you hear about is this amazing prospect, Studnika, that says all you need to know right there. You know, and the I, I'm going to loss for words because at the end of the day, it's the same exact thing in Boston. They do enough to get into the playoffs, and hey. Thanks for buying the tickets. We'll see you next year. And the other thing looking at in the future here is, you know, yeah, like you said, Jigs, Stanique is probably gone after this year, I bet you. And then now you have Jake DeBrusque, who in my eyes has been one of our top forwards since demanding a trade. He's got 21 goals in the year, 13 assists for 34 points. He's a plus six. Now he, who's, he's still saying like, hey, I still want to be traded. So now – you come to the off season, you got to fill the brush hole, which is if he keeps playing the way he is, he, he could hit the 30 goal mark by the end of the year. Then you got to fill that void. And, but in the meantime, you really don't have any money because you're wasting it on guys like a fucking Derek Fulbert. You know, it took well, them- and, and what the, the, the number one right. prospect that we have is Lysel. 
if he even makes it here. Right. I mean, that that's like the guy that we're kind of all hinging on, right? He's the next guy, you know? And Him and Laura, do you think yeah. they're actually going to trade DeBrusque, however, after this run he's been on, now that he's yeah, locked he, up? He wants I know they want to, but do you think they'll they'll be able to move him? Yeah, oh, yeah. I do. I, I mean, that's an affordable contract. And I think he's proving that if he's playing with the right it's, – it's, it also goes back to the same old saying in Boston. If you're playing with the right players, you're fine. And what did they actually do? They broke up their top line and they're putting pieces where they should be. And oh my God, a guy that's labeled as a top six winger, no longer playing with bottom of the barrel guys is producing. Shocking. You know, you, yes, they have the best line in hockey. You don't need to put them together. And this is where I totally, you know, when God, you're going to make fun of me, but when Krejci made the comments uh, over in the Czech Republic, yep. there's a reason why. How many years have we been, has he been dying to play with somebody, you know, and I totally get it from his perspective. Screw you. You guys didn't want to put anybody around me, but as soon as I'm gone, okay, well, we'll put DeBrusque with Bergeron and Marchant. We'll put Pasta with Hall. And, oh, wow. That really works. Holy crap. You didn't like, like you didn't like Krejci with Austin Zarnick? Uh, no. <laughs> no uh, my favorite one was Krejci with Matt Bolesky. Oh, and, and oh, there's, a there's a contract Matt, you really want to be proud of. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. Matt Bolesky and Jordan Caron for like a good month. And I wanted to good. claw my eyes out and people I could see calling that. and freaking out. I, I could see that coming a mile away. So Bolesky just came off a 20-goal, 22-goal season with playing with Perry and Getzloff. And I'm like, here comes the bad contract express. And sure enough, they give him – what did they give him, like – Four years at three point nine or something. It was like no. I think it was like five million per. Oh yeah, it like, was. It was like five. Yeah, it was like five years. It was like four years, twenty million. It was yeah. five years, three point eight million a year. It was five years and what the fuck? Basically, you could just say that. But if, but if you look at it, all these guys that they've brought in to that the Bruins finally did the right thing. They went and got Taylor Hall. They got a guy in the prime of his career for the first time since a Nathan Horton and oh my God, it clicked. But uh, like how stupid or how asinine of a, uh, of a general manager are you that you just keep on going after bad people? Cause it was, Oh, David Backus is going to work. Nope. Bolesky is going to work. Nope. Trade for Rick Jimmy Nash. Hayes. He's going to work. Yeah, Rick He's going to work. Point. Another Rick one. Point. Yeah. And Rick Nash was probably the closest that they got, but it was at the end of his career. It's like guys, spend a little bit of money here. And those you know, power forwards, man, they have so many miles on them once they're like thirty in their early thirties. Like that Bacchus contract, I know he had a twenty goal season the year before, but you could see he was on the downslope, and they had transitioned away from him. The Blues, I mean, they gave him a five year, thirty million dollars. Five years and thirty million dollars. That's a Lindholm contract. Would you rather Lindholm or Bacchus? Holy Jesus. I mean, that was an anchor for them for that whole contract. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, you know, like we just said, they're, you know, all eyes now on Fabian LaSalle whenever he comes over. Like, don't get me wrong. that The kid is an elite player. He's a very good player. But, like, in his short career, like, he's not throwing up fucking massive numbers. Like, okay, yeah, he played in the WHL. He had 54 points in 47 games. But – before that, he had three three points in twenty six games. Like he he's not putting up fucking eighty, ninety, hundred plus points in in juniors or or anything like that. So it's like, 
are you expecting him to come in and put up 25 to 35 goals a year as a rookie? Like, I just don't – you can't do that. You've got to get young forwards who are established in the league that are going to give you that production that you need and not have all eyes on, hey, let's hope Fabian LaSalle comes in and fills the holes that we need. Like like Matt Barzell, Kyle Connor, Sebastian Ajo, which all happen to be in what draft? Why would you got to bring it up? Why would you got to bring it up? It's okay. It's okay. Um, Beacon, I know you said you had to hop off pretty soon here. So any uh, closing comments, anything for you, bud? Well, I think the Bruins have weathered this storm pretty well, given the number of games they've had to play in the second half. And they made some, I wouldn't say risky moves. They were desperate moves that they had to have at the deadline if they wanted to be competitive in what is a rapidly closing window with this court they've had. Um, Expect them to hopefully, if Pasternak returns healthy, go on at least some kind of a run here over the last two weeks, maybe uh, climb one more spot in the standings. I don't see them getting to that first spot. We'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. And then once the playoffs begin, anything can happen. It's my motto when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Anything can happen, baby. Very true. Well, Beacon, always a pleasure to have you, bud. Thank you very much for joining us on another episode of Causeway Kings. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Hey, we'll talk with you guys soon. It's good to have the full crew back. It's been a while. Yeah, all six of us. I got to tell you, it has been a hot minute. That is for sure. Stay in touch with yourself, Beacon. We'll try to <laughs> avoid downloading anything incorrect. Yeah, Take care. Brush your hair, man. Have a good day, boys. There you go. Later, Beacon. Always a pleasure to have you. The WMEX Sports Director acting uh, all kinds of good guy stuff. I'll tell you, he's pretty good. Uh, might as well go around the horn now with that in mind. Uh, let's see. BJ, let's start with you, bud. Final thoughts as we whirl around another episode of Causeway Kings. I think if they can get out, at least get out of the wild card spot, either you know a two or three, that's going to be good for them. And you can you can miss Carolina and uh, Florida right now. I think those are the two teams you want to miss as much as you can. Um, but yeah, I think that they got a good shot. If they can, I think health is the biggest thing. And I think that everybody could say that at this point. But you know your big guys, you know they're fighting for those spots going down to the wire here, but. I think you might want to try to maybe rest some guys like Bergeron, maybe Marshy a little, you know, the older guys, you know, have so many miles on their wheels at this point. At least let them, you know, kind of take a couple of days and get themselves ready for the playoffs because you're going to need them. You know, when things get going, that's for sure. Indeed, indeed. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate that. Uh, Jigs. Final thoughts for you, man, and uh, anything else you'd like to throw in, and where can folks find more information about all the crazy things and programs that you guys got going on over at Vikings Militia? Uh, so I think the the interesting thing this year is when you look at, you know, the spot that the Bruins are in, we're in the one conference where they have four teams that are over 90 points. So it's, you know, as fans and everything, that's kind of cool that you get to see Tampa, Boston, Toronto, and Florida battling out like this. Where you know the the Western Conference and the Central they only have two, the Pacific only has one, and then the Metropolitan has at least three. So you know um, teams obviously been been a lot of fun to watch lately, which is is kind of refreshing. Um, so I I'd love to see them make a really strong push here at the end. I think they're doing all the right things. Um, like everybody said on this, it's going to come down to two things. 
is pasta healthy for the playoffs? Can they get out of the wild card spot? And then how does Swayman look? Um, it would be awesome if Swayman does the whole, you know, that rookie goaltender come into the playoffs and steal the show kind of like uh, Cam Ward did that one year or John Sebastian Jaguar. I think it would be a great storyline and, you know, um, it, it would be a lot of fun to watch what this guy looks like. Hopefully he's wearing our sweater for the next 15 years. And, and the Bruins went from Thomas to Rass to Swayman. You know, that's not bad at all. I like it. I like it. He's not wrong, folks. Coach Chiggs right there. And again, where can folks find more information about uh, how to join up or get uh, involved in just uh, helping out the program one way or the other? Um, anybody can go to our website, which is Militia and Vikings Hockey Club uh, on Facebook if you just search that. Um, or you can shoot me an email at coachchig at gmail.com. Yeah, so I, I was going to just say is, you know, you know, I, I find it remarkable that since, you know, the turn of the new year um, in season, the Bruins have been either one or two having the best record in the league, and they still haven't been able to make a substantial jump from where they are um, in the race for the playoffs. And what it illustrates is just how, just how, you know, difficult and how tough this Easter conference is and how much of a battle it's going to be in the postseason. I mean, I'm not saying anything revolutionary, but again, to echo the points that were made previously by, uh, by Chiggs, Beacon and and, uh, Brian is that just, they, they need to, Pasta number one needs to be healthy. Um, they need to have their roster healthy in general, and they're going to need to have Swayman, you know, playing true to form. Um, and these are going to be tight, highly contested um, games, and it's going to be fun to see, you know, the, the playoff hockey again, you know, in a full barn. But I mean, um, again, th- these games are going to be a coin flip and you just hope that uh, going into the playoffs, the Bruins have a healthy roster and they um, and they can keep it that way, at least for the majority of the postseason. Thank you, Merrill. Absolutely. Clance, your final thoughts in closing here as we continue to watch the Bees trail the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, I'm a little surprised to see them down 3-2 right now, but, you know, they've still got Oh, you know, about 16 minutes left in the game and, you know, anything can happen. But, uh, you know, like everyone said, it, the big thing is getting pasta healthy, getting him back, um, get, get the lines gelling again, get, you know, get that chemistry going. Um, and I think they can make a run is if Swayman stays on fire and the D can do what they can do. And, you know, that, that's all you can hope for. But I think health is the big thing. Um, but on a side note, I'm still taking Michigan to take the Frozen Four this year. Uh, semifinals are Thursday night, and final championship game is Saturday night, and I'm taking Michigan all the way, baby. There it is. Anybody else with the uh, Final Four uh, prediction, by the way? Yeah, I think Michigan, too. I think Michigan and their 48 first-round picks. <laughs> I'll take them, too. I mean, isn't, isn't, it, isn't this going to be the biggest upset ever if they don't win at all? with how many first round, like we're probably never going to see a loaded team like this ever again. I mean, the thing about Michigan too, is they literally can just fucking score it. Well, I mean, they get, you got two or three guys on that team that are up for the Hobie Baker this year. One of them being a freshman in Luke Hughes, who's most likely going to leave and turn pro and go play with his brother, Jack in New Jersey. Bernays is also an um, Hobie Baker finalist. Um, and I believe actually they announced the winner Friday night. 
the night before the championship game. So if like Shake said, if it Michigan does not win, it would be a massive upset. I, I, I think, you know, they're the number one team in the country for a reason. I mean, they have was it ten first round picks and I think five or six of them were this past season, like this past draft. Like that's absurd. And two of them were in the top five. One and two, you know. Um but yeah, like Jake said, if if they lose, it will be a shocker. But I don't think they will, and I think Michigan's going to take it home. Hey, and and good news, Clancy. Uh, Michigan has a star-studded Boston Bruins first-round draft pick that has done shit in three John years there. So we have that to look forward to. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, always fun. Uh, Clancy, you also had a shout out you wanted to give. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to a, a very good friend of mine in Trevor King. Um, you know, he is one of the owners of the Edge Skating and Skills Camp that um, is being held over the summer. Um, he's got players like Charlie Coyle coming down, Connor Garland, Jeremy Swayman's going to be going there. Uh, but one of the big things that I'm, you know, proud of Trevor for doing and, and for, you know, getting involved in is he's one of the, you know, founders of the, a new junior league that is starting up this year called the Mass Junior Hockey League. It's six teams based all in Massachusetts. That's it. So you have the South Shore Shocks, which is going to be playing out of the Bavis Ice Rink. Um, the Boston Black Aces that are going to be playing out of the brand new Bentley Arena. The uh, Canton Coyotes that is going to be playing out of the Canton Ice House. The Metro West Warriors, uh, Plymouth County Mustangs be playing out of the Bog. And then you got the North Shore Nordiques. So this is honestly, I think is going to be one of the best things to happen for junior hockey in the area, mainly because like there's so many junior leagues out there now that are just so watered down. And some of these kids are paying any, up to fucking $10,000 to play juniors, to, to be a 22nd forward on the team or a, a seventh or eighth defenseman on a team where mass the master junior hockey league is literally you know i think it's like 6800 bucks a player you know you, you don't have to worry about traveling all over the fucking country you're still going to get your showcase tournaments you're still going to get the college exposure that everybody's looking for but you're also going to get unbelievable top-notch local competitive hockey um so hats off to my very good friend trevor king and the mass junior hockey league and if you have any questions you can reach trevor at um trevorhockey at gmail.com or you can head on over to the junior hockey website at www.massjuniorhockey.com um and you know reach out to trevor that way and, and he'll you know take care of you and talk to you in uh in any way you need so again it's trevorkinghockey at gmail.com awesome awesome thank you clans good oh, shout out cool also wanted to give a very special shout-out to our buddy Joe Bartel over Integral Hockey Boston, which is located over in Quincy. Check him out on Facebook at Integral Hockey Boston. Book your appointment now and save lots of money on a brand-new stick, if not get your old one repaired. And, uh, guys, did you even know he's got pro stock in-house ready to roll for a fraction of the price? And with the way they do it, you know it's as good as gold. No, um, I've almost, I've about a couple of weeks ago, I almost bought a couple of twigs from Joe. Um, but when I was told by the doctors that I need to take a step back from hockey for a while, I didn't follow through with it. But I've coached kids at the high school this year that have bought sticks from him and absolutely love them. 
They say that you literally cannot tell the difference from a stick you buy off the shelf to a stick that you buy from him that's been repaired. Some of the kids actually prefer to buy the sticks from him. Um, so I'm honestly hoping that once I'm cleared to play again, I am going to buy some twigs from him. And you know what, parents, you should be urging your kids to go get sticks from him because it's not worth going to spend $350 on a stick that's going to break in two weeks when you can get the same exact stick for half the price that comes with a lifetime warranty if it breaks. That's right. It's good stuff. The price is right, and he's local right here in our backyard. Get a hold of him at 617-459-8488, or you can just go and email him at jbartell at integralhockey.com. That's J-B-A-R-T-E-L-L at integralhockey.com. Boys, I want to say thank you very much for joining us. Another great episode here, technically episode 3 slash 51 here on the WMEX Sports Radio Network. Always a pleasure to be here with you guys. And on behalf of Coach Chiggs as well, he had to make a quick exit. I just wanted to say thank you once again for joining us and really appreciate you boys taking the time and giving our listeners all the in-depth hockey info that they could possibly want to know. And uh, Clance, uh, let's give give our listeners a little bit of a preview of our next episode. Who's going to be joining us for that one? Yeah, guys, we've you know everyone here at the Causeway Kings crew since the relaunch have been really busting their ass to bring in sponsors. We got some good ones lined up, um, but you know the other big thing we've been really focusing on is getting some some really good guests on to tell us their their you know their path to the road of hockey and what they're currently doing in hockey and you know youth hockey things like that. So. Coming up, we're going to have um, NHL veteran Ian Moran on as a guest to talk about his, you know, his um, his playing career, his path to hockey, you know, get his thoughts on the, the league now, some of the local youth hockey, things like that. Um, and we're also um, going to be teaming up with Brian Yandel and Mike Motto of the Rink Strengths podcast to um, kind of, you know, getting, you know, getting their thoughts on situations in the league and, things like that. And, you know, they do a phenomenal job over there on the ring strengths to talking about youth sports and the importance of just letting the kids have fun and developing at their own pace and parents just not pushing or pressuring and all that stuff that, you know, we, me as a coach, you know, constantly harp and just let the kids play. And they do those two guys, BY and Moss do an unbelievable job with the ring strengths. And uh, I'm very excited to have them on. So we got a lot of great things coming up. Uh, but Benny, before I sign off, I do want to give uh, one more shout out to the seniors of Braintree High School Varsity Hockey. Uh, we had our end of the year banquet last night, um, which was just an awesome, awesome night put on by the, the coaching staff and mainly the boosters, um, all the hard work they put into the, the decorations and the signs and the gifts and all that. Um, but, you know, just hats off to those seniors. I've had the privilege they had 18 seniors this year, and I had the privilege of, of coaching 15 out of those 18. And there's a few of them that are going on to play at the next level. Um, big shout out to Danny Keegan, who's probably one of the favorite kids I've ever coached, heading over to um, Wilson Northampton, which is a D1 prep school, uh, doing a PG year with the hopes of going on and playing a, a top-notch Division three college. Um, you know, he, Danny, I... I really enjoyed coaching him. Probably one of my favorite players 
I've ever coached comes from an unbelievable family. Uh, but that doesn't take away from the rest of the kids on the team that I absolutely love and a great kids and wish them all, but nothing but the best of luck in, in, in their next adventures. It's a beautiful thing, coach. It's a beautiful thing. And uh, thank goodness, maybe someday they'll understand how lucky they were to have good people like yourself helping guide that path. And oftentimes, as we've well, discovered over the years, is those results are 20 years before they ever come to light. Let, let me tell you, Benny, and, and I know I've talked about it before, and, you know, being a coach, like, yes, it's about teaching the kids the game and the rights and the wrongs. But for me, it's teaching them how to be a young man on the ice, off the ice, teaching them strong values in life that can help them with life after hockey. And there are a few kids in that senior class who, again, like I said, I'm very close with, um, you know, Danny Keegan, Ryan Norton, um, Jeff Sharon, all those kids who, you know, literally a couple of days or a week after they lost a heartbreak of St. John's prep sent me some of the most heartfelt, heartful text messages, thanking me personally for teaching them everything that they've learned and helping them become the man that they are. And all of them telling me that I would not be where I am if it was not for what you taught me. And I mean, it takes a lot to bring tears to my eyes, but getting those messages from those kids after seeing what they went through with that heartbreaking loss to St. John's prep, to me, that is a satisfaction that I get as a coach every single day. And it makes me want to do it more and more knowing that not only do I teach them hockey, I teach them how to become a man and, and, and strong work at the outside of life. So, you know, I love those guys to death and that, you know, they're always going to be part of my life. It's well said Clance. That's awesome, man. It really is. Marshall, BJ, I, I know you guys have both been around your fair share of high school hockey as well. So you can definitely relate to what, uh, what Clance is saying here. Uh, I mean, BJ, of course, uh, long standing history, with the Hanover squad nowadays. Yeah. I mean, also I had my niece coached uh, girls for a long time in prep school. So I know how, you know, the coaches and the kids can form a really good bond. And, you know, when they go on to play in college or whatever, they, they appreciate everything that they learned from those coaches. So I'm sure that they were very appreciative for everything the clients gave us. Yeah, you know, when I used to cover, you know, uh, hockey for the Brockton Enterprise, high school hockey, I mean, the first thing out of their mouth outside of thanking their parents is thanking their coaches. And it's an integral and crucial part of, of, a, of a child or a teenager's life as those years, freshman through, you know, senior in high school. And I, you know, we know, we share the text messages with, with Clance. We know he, how hard he works. And in, you know, same thing too with, with Chigs, just how hard you guys, you guys dedicate your lives to these kids. Like you guys could be doing other things or, you know, spending time with your family and you're giving up time, you know, with your own family to be with them and, and, uh, and impart your knowledge. And, uh, you know, it's so rewarding. Like, I mean, I coached high school football back in the day. It's not, you know, exactly apples to apples, but at the end of the day, seeing a kid from when they first came through that first day, to them leaving the program and just seeing them develop both their skills and just become an adult and just a great person. I mean, there's money can't buy that. It's just amazing. And, um, you know, it, it's hats off to you guys. And, uh, you know, I just hope, you know, when I have a kid that they're, they, um, hopefully you guys get to coach my kid and, uh, you know, just to impart your knowledge and just have a, a great coach like you guys. It's just, uh, it's just amazing. So. 
thank you for all you do. No, I appreciate that, Marilyn. Hey, if I didn't love it as much as I do, I wouldn't do it. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've, you know, I'm a dad. I got two little boys. I have a third boy in the way. And my, you guys have heard before, my four-year-old is just obsessed with hockey, you know. And do I want to coach him? Yes. But do I want to be his coach? No, because I want him to go out and learn from other people and, and other coaches. And hopefully that he gets a coach that cares about his players as much as I do. You know, um, but if the guy ends up being a fucking schmuck, then I'm stepping in and taking over. <laughs> Absolutely. No time. You know, but no, there, I love there's, it. There's, no, there's nothing more satisfying than, than being, being a, a coach in any sport um, and, and knowing how much the, the, how fun the boys are and how much fun they have, whether it's boys or girls. I mean, hey, I've coached girls hockey before. That's where I started my coaching career as an assistant volunteer coach at Fawn Pond Academy. You know, um, it's an absolute blast and I love it. And, you know, I just look forward to do, keep doing it. It's what it's all about. Good coaching makes good people and good players all around. And that's what it's all about. Guys, I want to say thank you for joining us on another edition of Causeway Kings. It's been a lot of fun. Hopefully the bees can uh, pull themselves together and uh, figure this out. Looks like Lindholm is now out hurt. That's not good. Was it? Uh, I didn't see it. Was it bad? I just got an alert on my phone saying he was out for the remainder of the game with, a, I believe, a lower body injury. Ah, yeah. Hampus Lindholm, Christ. lower body, will not return for tonight's game. WTF, mate. WTF. I, I, IDK. IDK. Uh, Fellas, we've seen this thing go right down like the Hindenburg tonight. Went, went from a 2 nothing lead to... You know, now Lindholm's out. They look like crap. You know, turn over the puck and, and Swayman can't stop a beach ball. So we've come full circle and not in a good way. <laughs> what the, well, what in the hell? this is a good time of the season to uh, lose a couple and uh, get amped up for playoff time later on. We got a decent enough uh, lead. I'll just knock on some wood here. There uh, we go. Yeah. I didn't well, even see him get hurt. Me neither. Well, that's an oh. even more terrible sign then, because it's something tweaked or something. Oh, forget about it. I was I was too busy gazing in all your eyes. Ah, yes, the Causeway Kings video that will be available soon. Oh Lord, help oh, us! See, isn't it so much better being on WMX? You can just talk any way you want. I mean, <laughs> we we could have done that anyhow in any way, shape, or form. But you know what I mean. I I appreciate what you're getting at there. But but now I can say the words. What? Why? Why? <laughs> but why? Because it's because it's fun, and I can. Good night, oh. everybody. <laughs> uh, that's a good. That's a good way to end the night. Hey, that perfectly summarizes this game against the Red Wings. We'll just end on that. You can throw all four of those words into this one at the end here. Yes. Yeah. As good as they looked against Columbus, this Does is. Does anybody uh, know what those four words? What movie those four words are from? I in see, that uh, in that order. <laughs> That's the words you can't say on TV or radio, which is why they're perfect for the internet. Why? It's from a movie. It's from a comedy movie. Isn't movie was that? Is it from old school? No, Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. When he oh, goes on the date. <laughs> he goes on the he goes on the one date with the girl, the blonde headed girl that's got Tourette's. And also, yes. she, she just goes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going like way back, like thinking maybe Porky. Like George Carlin. Wasn't it George then, Carlin? I'm pretty sure it was George then Carlin. It, then he went on the the date with a woman who was quite large. Yeah, Daniel Chara. Someone, 
Did someone say steak? Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, we're going off the rails. Let's call it a night right there. <laughs> Lord help us. Causeway Kings right here on wherever we are on this side of the planet on 1510WMEX. Boys, thank you very much on behalf of my co-hosts, Causeway Clancy, Causeway Marshall, BJ, Brian Johnston, B-Con, and Chiggs. I know, that's not the fun part. Till next no, time, I folks. Ed- I had an edible before we came down. Oh, that makes more sense. <laughs> Have a good night, everybody. And until next time, as always, let's go, go bees. bees. Love you, Causeway listeners. <laughs>